Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Pirate Captain Cat Bailey, and joining me as always, my trusty first mate, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Cat. I'm surprised you didn't run off with that giant turtle that you showed us in that picture. Like, I would run off and marry it myself. <laughs> and down below, swabbing the decks, it's Eric Van Allen. I don't even get skipper or anything, <laughs> nothing, just swabbing the, the decks, huh? You tried to take over my ship. You're going to be mm, scrubbing look. the boats. Just be lucky you're not walking the plank, Eric. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I, I captain, I take me licks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm officially back after a nice long vacation and here to talk about RPGs. It's event season, folks. There are a ton of RPG news to cover in this week's episode. We'll be talking about Pokemon, Violet, and Scarlet, and the very hot professors who are uh, in this world. We'll also be talking about Final Fantasy 16. It has a release date. It's real. It has footage. Oh, my God. Uh, it feels wild to be talking about another Final Fantasy here on Axe of the Blood God. We'll be covering all of that in this week's episode. But before we get to that, uh, if you enjoy the show, thank you very much. Please go ahead and leave a review on the podcast of your choice. It brightens our day and helps the visibility of the show. We are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we have tons of bonus features for all of you, including the Pantheon of the Blood God, which is coming out this Wednesday. It's going to be hosted by Eric. It's about Final Fantasy X. Very watery, very islandy. So I guess it feels <laughs> yeah. kind of appropriate. Yeah, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the British Virgin Islands have an advantage over Besaid, just in the sense of there's no giant monster yeah. trying to kill us all that you know of. There's no <laughs> giant monster trying to kill everybody, but there's not pop concerts being held by former nuns of the nunnery. So you know, <laughs> it's really just you know apples and oranges. That's more Final Fantasy X too, though. Oh, yeah. don't worry. Tentu's time will come eventually. Tentu will be talked about. We just had to establish Ten first. That was important. The main thing that we were missing in Final Fan uh, on the British Virgin Islands was Blitzball, which mm -hmm. I hope oh. mm -hmm. Drown Ball. Yeah. Uh, did you have you played Blitzball, Nadia? Do you like it? I played it once for the story necessary yeah. part, and I never played it again. Never. Do you want to know a tip? Sure. Get the jet shot. I didn't get and it. And then you will mm -hmm. own everybody. <laughs> I also Hide heard you can go behind the, the you can go behind the goal and just completely stump the other team, which is great because I was saying to Eric last time, like, can you imagine living on this this horrible bleak world where the only release is watching Blitzball and some jackass hides behind the net for for like two hours and that's the game. Everyone's going yay because they have nothing else going on in their life. Mm. So Cal L is bad mouthing Blitzball, and I will say, as the captain of the good ship Blood God, I will not hear any <laughs> slander of Blitzball, the greatest sport in RPG history. They basically lifted the Captain Tsubasa soccer games, put them in water for some reason, and for then reason. imported it wholesale into Final Fantasy X. All I wanted to do in that game, I, I didn't even play sports sims at the time, but I discovered that I love sports sims just through playing Blitzball. I had that so much sense. fun going around and recruiting all of the characters to my team. I was building my team, asking, they were like, 
well, sin is going to destroy the world. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Do you want to play Blitzball? It's, it's great, but this season we really need a striker on the right wing. You know, we're yep. having trouble out there. <laughs> it was, oh, no, no. Titus was the striker. What I needed was a keeper, a good keeper. Defense. Oh, Keepa is a pretty good keeper. Oh, Keepa was a good keeper. Keepa, Keepa starts out kind of iffy, but becomes a really good keeper. Uh, I, Captain Subasa is better than FIFA. There I said it. Ooh, I like uh, Captain Zabas yeah, about it. I believe it. Cool that. Yeah. It has a great story. It has animated cutscenes like Ninja Gaiden. Um, it, it's a great realization of sports. Sports sims like FIFA and Madden were a mistake. That's all I can say <laughs> on that front. Yeah, I do miss when sports games were actually a lot of fun, like NBA Jam and whatnot. Like, they didn't take them so seriously. Well, look forward to Mario Strikers in about a week or two, yeah. You, you should go listen to our Final Fantasy X Pantheon episode when it is available this coming week. And then, of course, there are tons more uh, bonus content, including the Summer of Gundam, which uh, starts officially this month. We're going to be doing our big guide to Gundam here on Acts of the Blood God, the Acts of the Blood God Guide to Gundam to kick it all off. So you can look forward to that. Uh, Nadia and Eric, I gave you a lot of uh, homework before I left. Did you, how much did you actually get through <laughs> When I tell you I read some wikis, Kat, let me tell you about those wikis I read. <laughs> I kind of learned about Canada's streaming systems, which all suck. So I did uh, find a good place, though. So let me tell you, country roll, our country world does have streaming it. platforms. Yeah, you're letting me down, me hearties. Uh, piracy. Hello, you guys were we'll like, be oh, there. it's on we'll Hulu. We'll be there. Don't worry. Hulu's on in Canada. <laughs> so there you go. I was watching a lot of Gundam long before it was out on DVD here in america and vhs all the way there baby. was such a thing as streaming if you got a source for some bootleg vhs's hit me up because i'm happy to use that avenue 30 over bucks each. the mess Take of streaming it. services hey, that are just out there go right, on now. right stuff you can get the dvds for whole seasons for like 50 dollars like whole series you know well so, then that's what we're just gonna have to do that's the best way to do it honestly is to get a lot of this stuff is uh the right stuff blu-rays uh, surprisingly affordable. So that's that's my tip for being able to access all of the Gundam, which is otherwise somewhat difficult to find uh, across the myriad of streaming services out there. Mm -hmm. Also, I think you can watch the the entirety of the original Gundam for free on like YouTube or Crunchyroll. Or, uh, like Crunchyroll. Yeah. yeah. I've done that. Like I've watched the, the original series. We're, we're, we're using Yahoo anime rules in here, all right? We There there are methods. Go and find them. Yahoo anime rules. <laughs> what are Yahoo anime rules? That sounds very early 2000s. It's important to not talk about Yahoo anime rules when you invoke Yahoo anime rules. <laughs> Downloading episodes off Kazaa. Kazaa, yes. Why does, our, why does our computer have 50 viruses? Oh, I don't know. You know how there was a stream of, of Morbius that was on Twitch while Kat was out at sea, and there was someone just streaming Morbius nonstop for over 24 hours, yes. but then it became popular, and so it got taken down? That's Yahoo anime rules. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you missed that, Kat. You missed all the morbing out. It's, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, well, you were gone. Morbius became a whole thing. <laughs> it's it was like already a, a real whole thing. Whole thing. Morbius is going back to theaters. So I didn't realize that there was a second stage to the Morbius discourse because we already done dunking on Jared Leto and everything. Oh, no. Now it's like it's turned into ironic enjoyment and then actual enjoyment, theoretically. But so also they compressed, the, they compressed the Star Wars prequels. Yes. Yes. Loop. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. <laughs> into the span of a week. <laughs> and now it's going back into theaters because there is such a groundswell of no way. Morbius fandom. No way. I refuse oh, yeah, to yeah, believe Yeah, that just this. came out in the news. This is the worst <laughs> no, news. No, it's, it's real. <laughs> We're we're I all morbid out here. The only thing I hope is that Jared Leto is really pissed off because he takes himself so seriously. I can't believe it only took a month for this dang movie to do the Star Wars prequel uh, cycle. That's incredible. That's record time. We've, we've all been, we are all very psychologically damaged. This is yet. what the pandemic we, did to we, us, frankly. Jollies. This is, this is post-pandemic yeah. morbing. This is too much. Can I just say 2022 is the worst horror movie franchise ever? <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that Morb is like Smurf, so you could say like, you know, yes. Morb you instead of yes. Smurf you, and I'm going to Morb. When you're getting hype about smurf. something, you're Morbin out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Morbin out. It's Morbin time. What has happened to this world so while stupid. I was gone? I'm just going to go get back <laughs> on the boat. Oh my God. It's not good news, Kat. <laughs> Holy cow. Anyway, if you want to escape the horror that is Morbius being back in theaters for some godforsaken reason... Patreon.com slash Pod, where there's a ton of content available to all of our subscribers. And thank you to everybody who has been supporting us. Okay, time to talk about what we have been playing, our sacrifices to the Blood God. I'll start with you, Eric, because you wrote S-U-I-K-O-D-E-N-2. <laughs> yeah. And bingo, what's his so name? Oh. I had another week where I was really having trouble finding stuff I wanted to play. And I saw that RetroArch finally got like a Steam entry on here uh, on Steam. And I've been wanting to mess around with emulator stuff for a while because, you know, I've got a Steam Deck. I don't want to mess around with it. I was like, you know what? After the top 25, I've got so many games that every time I bring them up, I'm like, I should play those. And y'all two yell at me like, you should play that. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Time to finally start crossing yes. stuff off that list. And uh, I started with Suikoden 2 for some reason. Something about it Good just pick. called to me. And this game whips. This game is is good. It's yeah. paced extremely well. Oh, yeah. It starts off just, you know, there's barely any introduction to Suikoden 2, which oh, it I starts really on a love. Bang. It drops. Yeah, it does not faff about with, oh, here is this young boy. He grew up in a town wanting to be a hero. But then but no, it starts with betrayal and ambiguous love between uh, a protagonist and his best friend. Maybe not so ambiguous. I think that's more text than subtext, but that's just me. And uh, Luca Blight just murdering people and being like, act like a pig. Ha 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 ha. No, I'm still going to murder you anyway. Die pig. um, Yeah, this game rules. uh, But it's also just coming to it now. I I was tweeting about this today. It feels a bit bizarre to play because it does feel like a game that feels like it supposes that you are uh, reading the manual before you play it. And obviously the way I am playing Mm. it, it's not like I had a manual just pop out of my computer and go like, hey, you should read up on this. So there are just lots of little things in this game I'm trying to learn as I go along. Like for the longest time, I couldn't figure out why some characters could attack from the back row, but not others. Or they could attack from the back row, but they couldn't hit the other team's back row. There were kind of different rules about that that I've only just now started to figure out because I thought that the the letters next to the weapons were just like how big the weapons were like small medium large it's actually for how (laughs) far they reach like short medium long um also the the rune system is is basically the spell system from D D, where you have certain amounts of uses 
and then to get them back you have to yeah. like do a long rest <laughs> and uh figuring that out has been gradual let's say but I will say like the things it's doing for me right now, I really enjoy. I love how many different battle systems there are in this game. You have like the six on six uh, traditional RPG battles that make up like the bulk of it. But then you've also got fire emblem for some reason. And then you've also got a one-on-one fighting game for some reason. (laughs) And they're just kind of tossed in there. And I'm really a fan of that. I love it when RPGs are just like, let's put a new battle system in. Fuck it. Why not? (laughs) Like, let's try this. And the actual six on six battles as they have expanded out further and given me more tools to work with are pretty interesting. And they have some really great characters. I love, I love like really just stylish, immediately recognizable characters that are like, Oh, okay. Here's this barbarian woman. She's totally going to be on my front line and be slapping dudes with an, with a Sammer, Sammer hammer or an ax or whatever. (laughs) And like, that's, Oh, that stuff is good. I love like seeing a character when I walk into a town and being like, I know I can recruit that person because they don't look like an NPC. (laughs) So how do I go about (laughs) recruiting them? Uh, Did you get Shiro? The the uh, yeah. yeah. So here's maybe y'all can clear this up for me. So I am past the part now where I was defending the fort and then everything went bad because Apple's bad at planning. You know, like in real life. And oh right. um, we, Poor Apple. we we did the whole escape from the fort and now I just kind of have a party of six and it was filled with characters that I wasn't necessarily all using in my party at the time. It's like Gengen, Shiro, Millie, and yeah, those three and then Nanami, Joey, and my, my hero. Um, I get those other characters that I recruited back, right? Like I didn't just lose oh, yeah. everyone in that fort fire, right? No, no. You okay, get good. <laughs> uh, you will get, a, I, don't, I can't remember if it's that fort or you find one, but it, one of the big things about Suikoden, one of the things I actually like a lot about uh, Iodin Chronicles mm-hmm. Rising is built around, it It has a, a big element of town building. Mm-hmm. So you will discover that you will have your own fortress. In fact, um, I don't know if you remember the the second epic Mickey game on, I think it was on DS or 3DS. They actually had a fortress element that was a lot like Stuka Into because I talked to the developer and he said, yeah, I love the game so much. I, I wanted my own fortress with Disney characters in it, but unfortunately nobody it's played admirable. the game. But I like that. Yeah, you will get a fort. Yeah, you will get a fort. And uh, like I said, Aiden Chronicles Rising lets you build up a town in a very similar way. And I was really glad to see that. It's going to be, uh, I'm guessing, going to be in the actual game, Aiden Chronicles. Eric, my advice to you is that you find a guide and you read it with Suikoden in too. Because this game demands a guide in terms of actually being able to recruit the characters because some of them are quite esoteric and have very narrow Some windows. are very easy to miss. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. a guide, but the thing is, I've already kind of accidentally been spoiled on some things trying to figure stuff out in uh. this game. So I kind of have a game facts guide that I'm literally just inching down like line by line as I go, because th- Cover with this is something I discovered not even. I mean, it happened with Suikoden, but also it happened with while I was reading Chainsaw Man and stuff where I use I think this is a Chrome thing. But if you type in something, it will sometimes autocomplete stuff. So if you yes, type in like a yes. character's name just to be like, oh, how do I recruit this person? They'll be like characters death. And I'll be like, hmm. Okay, 
Google, thanks for autocomplete spoiling me, I guess, when I just wanted to know if I can recruit a character or not. That's why you go to GameFAQs, man. Don't just Google individual characters. This is why the the ASCII GameFAQs guides with the elaborate cover art were the pinnacle of guides making that we should Uh all aspire to. And really, we should just just go back to that. You will get spoiled hard. Uh huh. Yeah, never Google anything. Google ruined everything. Spoilers, websites. It totally ruined everything. We don't have a job because of Google. Well, I mean, our old job. <laughs> Thanks, Google, for ruining US Gamer. We appreciate if we that. We want to talk about Google they ruining did. the media. We can spend a long time talking about that. But Google just into- decides, oh, oh, this boy. website, we, we don't care about you anymore. Mm-hmm. Ban. You're not legit. Bye. Uh, but speak it into. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's like just the right pace of an RPG for me too, where I feel like I'm kind of doing some mindless grinding, but it's not too grindy. And I feel like there's a good movement to the game. It's been my like chill down after work game for the last week. Like every I'll log off of work and just kind of like, you know, crack open a, a, a cold sparkling water. Stay hydrated, everybody. It's hot out there. And uh, play like an hour a week and into, and it is just calming and relaxing. And it feels, I, I think there's like, there's got to be a German word for something that feels nostalgic, even though you have no nostalgia for it. And it probably sounds like a word for death. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Octa something Bronken. I don't know. <laughs> and there yeah. go all of our German listeners. <laughs> sounds like a drum set falling down a set of stairs. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Sorry, I, I can say this. I think I'm descended from Germans if my, my surname is Eisner. So I got to have some German. Uh, but yeah, it's it's surprisingly, it feels weird to say this about an RPG where people get murdered on the reg. But like, it is a chill RPG that I'm just enjoying spending time in and it's just enough involvement without being too complex or too much. And yeah, it's on our top 25 for a reason. It's, it slaps. Oh yeah. Great. We didn't even question whether or not it should be included. It, it wins. It's an amazing RPG. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to go back to, too. That was my one thing is I kind of wanted to, as I go back to these RPGs, be like, how easy are they to go back to? for somebody who didn't even play them in the first place. And outside of the, the hangups I mentioned before, which were easily solved by just either using your brain or if you're like me and only have two brain cells, just asking somebody <laughs> and uh, it's very easy to pick up and have a good time with. Uh, so yeah, so we get in too. I mean, if y'all haven't played it. Y'all should get around to playing it. And if you want more, so we get in two coverage, go check out, our top 25 RPG podcast from back in the day where we had Jason Schreier on to wax mm-hmm. poetic. Yeah, that was that a one. good. Surprised that- he's not in my DMs yet about it. <laughs> Fun story about that podcast. We actually had to re-record it because uh, the original files got lost. So that was the second Sweet in 2 podcast ever recorded was Jason Schreier. <laughs> everybody has that. Everybody gets one of those. I actually did a, a podcast for Retronauts where uh, it was a great, it was a great episode about fan fiction. You can actually go listen to it now. One of my guests' audio, just half of it gone. Like her cat turned off the the mm-hmm. uh, speaker at some point. Cats and do that. We didn't yeah. even know until we were mm-hmm. done. Cats mm-hmm. will do that. Well, Nadia, you have been playing Final Fantasy X for our Pantheon episode. And boom, you effing roasted Seymour too. Revenge of Seymour. Tell us all about it. 
Yeah, so this is actually a part of the game that a lot of people in the uh, game club, et cetera, were saying they were very frustrated with, and that's the second time you go up against Mount Seymour. Gagazette. And I, Seymour! I admit, I just looked it Sorry. up. <laughs> Seymour Krellborn. I just looked it up mm. because I was like, you know what, I don't have time for this. So what I did, ultimately, was I, I had uh, Titus use mm-hmm, Provoke, mm-hmm. and I put Reflect on him. And oh. he's de- he, this idiot's like shooting a bunch of flare spells at me, just boop, 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 and he was gone. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty easy. Yeah. I don't yeah. find that one the hardest. And then one. I have there's a harder Seymour fight. I have to admit though, it was kind of uh, shocking when I I called up a Hamet and he did Mega Flare and uh, Seymour just mm-hmm, one kills him, mm-hmm. one shots him, and I'm like, oh, you, you can't do that to to summons. Well, I guess you can uh, now. Seymour is a summoner. That is one thing I really like about 10 that we'll talk about in our Pantheon is they play by the rules of the lore within the combat and do really cool things about things working in combat because of the status of a person. Like when you were in Bevel, did you fight the, the giant zombie dragon underwater? I ran away ran, from it. So if you fought it because it is labeled as every altana but it is a zombie you can just use a phoenix down on it and it kills it oh yeah that's right i did i got it behind the gate and i'm like wait a minute this is undead so i threw a phoenix down on it he was like yeah cool like that game plays by its own rules and i like it a lot for that yeah yeah that's that's an old final fantasy trick though like i use phoenix down on the the phantom train in six once you uh get tired of suplexing Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. okay i've thrown around this train enough i'm gonna kill it what a what an undignified end for the Phantom Train. Mm-hmm. Listen to y'all talk about Final Fantasy X. It's making me nostalgic for when Final Fantasy was good. I mean, 15 was good. 14 is good. Just listening very to you good. talk about all of your different strategies for beating these bosses. Uh, Let me tell you about Bio and how that's the secret weapon against Seymour. He's oh, always susceptible to Bio, which I, I haven't figured out if there's like a canon reason for that. But he is one of the few bosses that you can always use Bio on. And he always he can always use bio on Seymour. It's always morally there correct. Is, there is a strat, actually, I think, for that Bavel Seymour fight where you bio him and then haste him, because if he gets out of sync with his little like parasite helper, he'll like waste turns, but he'll <laughs> still take bio damage on that turn. So you just watch him just oh, like that's amazing. Whittle himself down. It's great. It's so I love good. I love, I love the combat system. Mighty like life that. form right over here. Oh, that's funny. I should have I should have mm-hmm, done that. Mm-hmm. I'm also playing uh, a, a new game that just came out called Soldier. Mm-hmm. That's a S-O-U-L. And it's really good, but the switch optimization is so bad. And I'm kind of mad about that because load times are ridiculous. Save times are ridiculous. There's a lot of hitching. So if you're going to play it, because I recommend it's a great Metroidvania, Metroidvania mm-hmm. from what I played so far. But the, the tech on the switch is terrible, which is a shame because, I mean, it shouldn't it doesn't strike me as a very resource intensive game they said the the company behind it said they are putting out or they have put out a patch request in nintendo so in a couple of days it should be improved but for now it's just like uh i'm gonna switch this to easy because i can't really take on enemies if the screen is like mm-hmm. stuttering at random it's like points. vaguely dead cellsy but right? otherwise it's, it's like a very game. dead cells type game it's very very dead cellsy in that regard they even say we have souls like mm-hmm. combat it's like okay great but souls like combat does you know feature it does need a little bit of timing on your side so you can't just have it like be like hey i'm gonna freeze up now for a second that's been on my watch list for a while i played a demo for it i think last year at the steam next fest or some steam next fest that happened at some point i don't know what time is anymore but it was a cool one it had like different 
kind of RPG classes that you could play as. And then it was very yeah. like it was very Metroid, very Dead Cells, but kind of like roguish too. No, so it's a great game by the looks of it. I just wish it played better. So I would say get it on uh, on Xbox or PlayStation mm-hmm. maybe for mm-hmm. now. I also uh, I finally uh, beat Milena. You, you beat wow. Millennia Blade of Congratulations. Yeah, I had basically how I did it was I took a two pole mm-hmm. arms, mm-hmm. the Godskin Peeler, and I can't remember the one from that Samurai's mm-hmm. name. I use a I just lawnmowered her just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You basically you do say she's really really susceptible to blood stuff. So I did seppuku, lawnmowered her. I had my mimic tier do the exact same stuff. Oh man, <laughs> she didn't remain standing very long. It was still difficult, but at least I had a chance now. I finished Sheldon Ring, but I don't really feel like I finished Sheldon Ring because I called in summons to just help me bulldoze the last two final bosses because all I wanted to do was roll credits before I left uh, for my trip. So I mm-hmm. I might go back and actually take another crack at those bosses uh, so that I can feel a little more legit in how I beat the the game. <laughs> it, it sounds like you missed a lot of the subquests, which I, makes I up did, a lot yeah. of the experience. The Fia stuff is really good. I did the the, the Fia stuff. You did, is really you did the good. Ronnie stuff, Fia right? I, you yeah, got yeah, the Ronnie yeah. ending. I did yeah, Ronnie, yeah. yeah. That's the I best. I would stuff. love to play more Elden Ring, but also want to play other games um, because mm. I spent most of 2022 so far playing Elden Ring at this point. So I was like, okay, that's out of the way for a while. I, I tweeted the uh, the Power Rangers meme of the, ah, after 10,000 years, I'm free. Uh, ah, after 10,000 years, it's time I'm free. to conquer Earth. Time to conquer Middle Earth. Um, yeah. That's me uh, after Elden Ring. Or more specifically, now it's time to conquer Dragon Quest XI, which mm, is the next mm-hmm. game. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's time, yeah. time for that playing. now. Time to move on. But in the meantime, I was sitting on a boat for two weeks where I did not turn on a single video game away from the things of man. And so that's why nice. I didn't play any Persona 3 Portable. I'm a couple weeks behind on this week in GeckoCon. Lol, sorry. Uh, I'll be <laughs> catching up on that this week so I can talk about it again and be right back on track. In the meantime, though, I did finish the original RPG in book form, it was called The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I read all read all three of those books again. And gosh darn it, uh, makes me want to go back and re-record all the Summer of the Rings episodes again. Because gosh darn it, Nadia, I have thoughts. Those were fun. Those were fun episodes. They were I really fun enjoyed those. episodes to do. Um, my main takeaway after reading the entirety of The Lord of the Rings is, first of all, there are a lot of moments that made me really emotional. It was, a, it was an excellent book, mm. gorgeously mm-hmm. written. Um, but also, doing all the research for some of the rings uh, dramatically enhanced my enjoyment of the Lord of the Rings because right. I understood what the heck they were talking about this time around, which I did not. Uh, mm-hmm. So the songs and the stories <laughs> made a lot more sense to me, and I was it was a lot easier to roll along with kind of the languid pace and everything. And it was interesting to compare and contrast with the movies and. Um, yeah, uh, the, the the most interesting and biggest difference, of course, is the scouring of the Shire um, at the end of the book. And I like I can understand why they didn't put it in the movies and everything, but it was a it was a nice capper, honestly, mm. to the, the the books. It was very light. It was not it, the stakes were quite low. You never felt like Mary, Pippin, Frodo, and Sam were ever in any danger. It was just an excuse for them to come back at level 99 
uh, with <laughs> all the, of the best gear run. and equipment yeah. and just curb stomp level five bandits. I was mm-hmm. going to call it the mm-hmm. beach episode. <laughs> Freaking Mary and Pippin are like now uh, four feet tall, like the giants by stan- Hobbit standards after drinking mm-hmm. all of the water from the ants. <laughs> oh, I didn't yeah, know that yeah. part. Because in the movies, you know, you see them drinking and getting bigger, but they repeatedly drink the ant drafts and just get humongous for uh, hobbits. <laughs> it's great. So, wow, four feet tall. Uh, so mm-hmm. Pippin and Mary become just total badasses, you know. And uh, yeah, there's so many RPG moments in Lord of the Rings that you can see filtering into the history of the franchise. Like the whole M- Moria thing is the just the. Every dungeon stemmed from that mm-hmm. damn Mines of Moria sequence. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, and there's a reason for it because the Mines of Moria ruled. It's one mm-hmm. of the greatest. Uh, one of the greatest things I've uh, personally read in fantasy fiction. So well done. So spooky and atmospheric, and mm-hmm. the arrival, the ball rolling. Fool of a toque. Yeah. I like Fellowship Pippin of the Ring. Rolls the low on a check. <laughs> yeah, the boss fight. Yeah. No, exactly. Oh, poor Gandalf. R.I.P. Uh, but then he came back, so it was okay. But yeah, no. Uh, if if you can go back and read the original Lord of the Rings, you know, racism and colonialism aside, uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> and that's it uh, for what I've been playing. I'll probably get back to uh, this week in Gecko Con relatively soon, like next week. But in the meantime, it's time for a series of random encounters. Speaking of RPGs that we haven't seen in a while, uh, the next Dragon Age has been sort of kind of revealed. Yeah. We now know that it's called Dragon Age Dreadwolf, and we will be getting more info later this year. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak previews are out in the wild, and Eurogamer says it's brutal but balanced. Pathfinder Studio Owlcat Games is making a Warhammer 40k CRPG called Rogue Trader, and you better believe I'm going to be playing the heck out of that game. Yeah, that oh my god. Rad. I'm so pumped for Warhammer 40k anything, and Owlcat Games has the pedigree. It's going to be a great RPG, I think. think so in this case, I think um, Games Workshop giving out the Warhammer 40k license to whomever uh, kind of bounced out in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diablo Immortal is rolling out on iOS and Android. Uh, Chucklefish's Witchbrook. Remember Witchbrook? Get, got a Steam page yeah. and some new screens. Junichi Masuda is leaving Game Freak to be the chief creative fellow at the Pokemon Company. So it's sort of a sort of similar to Miyamoto's role at Nintendo these days. Yeah, kind of a mentor mm-hmm. role. Not as much uh, involved in the day-to-day, much more of the higher-level strategy, I think. Uh, Shinji Hashimoto has retired from Square Enix. And uh, that Nino Kuni mobile MMO is uh, apparently going to get NFTs. Nothing is sacred. I didn't even know that there was a Nino Kuni mobile MMO. <laughs> Yeah, there people is. got really yeah. hyped for it because it's like Ghibli as hell. And then there was the big asterisk that came crashing uh, in. Like, what meteor. is more Ghibli than <laughs> NFTs? Oh, uh, can you? I'm sure Miyazaki loves NFTs. Can you imagine? Him? I think these are an insult to life itself. <laughs> <laughs> NFTs are trash. It was a mistake. But our big story for this week is there was a huge state of play. A lot of stuff got shown. A lot got revealed. But most importantly, Final Fantasy 16 is real. 
It has finally been shown again for the first time in like two years. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since we've seen Final Fantasy 16. And we got a two minute, pretty extensive trailer featuring all of the summons. And we got to see gameplay. And we got a much clearer look at what Final Fantasy 16 is going to look like. Nadia, usually our final chief Final Fantasy apologist and or sicko. What were your immediate thoughts? It looks really cool and I'm looking forward to it, except I don't still I, I still have no idea what it's going for. And on the other hand, if you're talking about summons slapping each other around, as Eric put it in the notes. Big beefy that. icons slapping each other. That is my exact words. <laughs> so is it Rock'em Sock'em Robots with summons? Because mm -hmm. they, you mm -hmm. saw the two life That's bars okay. up there. No, I can deal with that. I like it when Final Fantasy brings out like the huge guns. <laughs> and I was one thing I loved about 15 was that uh, summons were a key part of the story. And each one had its own, had their own personality. And I loved the sequence with Leviathan. I thought that mm -hmm. was incredible. So I'm looking forward to a whole game of, of summons just being pissed off at each other. And it is the Heavensward team doing the story and Koji Fox doing the localization. So I have a, a good feeling about its pedigree. Now, I haven't played a lot of DMC, mm -hmm. so Eric is mm -hmm. going to have to fill in this part for me, but apparently the combat is very dmc -ish. So the, the big thing that came out after this was they did the trailer. There were a lot of things that came out of State of Play, and then the companies themselves followed up afterwards with a lot more info, and we'll, we'll get to what is arguably the weirdest case of that after 16, but for 16 specifically... Uh, they revealed the team and it's a lot of familiar faces, especially if you've played Final Fantasy 14. You've got the Heaven's Word team is on this. Soken's on the music, so you know it's going to slap. But no, the rock. big, I think, note for who's on the staff is Ryota Suzuki, formerly of Capcom, who worked on Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry 5 and Monster Hunter World, is the combat director for this game. And that's yeah, big. So that's really because cool. you watch that trailer and now you're going, oh, I get why it's so actiony now. I get why they're doing all these kick flips and wild moves. They got the DMC sauce on this one. And honestly, I'm super hyped for it because even as somebody who isn't a huge, I, I like Devil May Cry 5. I'm kind of up and down with the series, but I really did like Devil May Cry 5. Uh, and Monster Hunter World, like Cat will also attest just some slap in combat, some real good uh, real crunchy combat in that game. Can you imagine now we're going into Final Fantasy world and we're doing icons slapping each other around? Maybe we're lassoing onto some icons. We're fighting Titan. You know, like that's that's exciting. Yeah. Like I, I know that that's a little bit different than the Final Fantasy that some folks might want. You know, the sort of here is my party. We're doing turn based battles and things like that, but there is a spectacle that it looks like we're going to get with this game that feels like it is chasing that final fantasy 15 leviathan fight or some of the larger battles the in leviathan 15. fight was one of the worst parts of final fantasy 15 but it was that conceptually was the cool. straight up went off the rails <laughs> it was conceptually cool it was conceptually, conceptually cool. cool yeah but i know what you mean about the game going off the rails but it was such Just, a that's that's what i'm saying they brought the right guy in to make it work they brought the the ringer. And I in. love that Leviathan in 15 was so mm -hmm, angry. Mm -hmm. Leviathan was like, why are you even bothering me, you mortals? So you 
having to prove yourself against a summon, mm-hmm. I think, is one mm-hmm. of the coolest things that you can do in Final Fantasy mm-hmm. at all. And I'm always a little bit disappointed in like 10 how Yuna's like, oh, hey, now Bahamut's with us. We didn't get to see her like, I don't know, spill out half her blood for him to join oh, us or whatever. You get the thing at the beginning where she comes out of Veilfor's faith and she's like clearly she's been in there for days and and like is staggering out of there. And trust me, like the deeper into that game they get, the more you will kind of feel like what the cost of the faith is for for summoning in that game. And there's some but, summon fights that are really dope in Final Fantasy X. Yes. Oh my god. The the first Seymour fight where it's like, Yuna, use the summon. And you're like, what summon? And you go to your summon thing and there's like a question mark there and you're like, what is that? And then ice starts springing yes. out and the reflection shows up and she was just like, Voof, and the cloak comes out and Yuna catches it and she's like, I got this. And All of the Yuna animations oh. when they, uh, the the summons show up so good. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I love how she sits on if reached shoulders. The summons are so now OP in Final Fantasy X. Oh my god, you just use them to block whatever you want. When it got Ishii on, I love how she's like, "Nice to meet mm-hmm. you." Like he's a big ass mm-hmm. hell horse with like shooting electricity out of his butt. Like, oh, I'm Yuna. Nice to meet you. The lusty Oregonian maid who continues to have the best name in the Stars of Destiny chat said. I prefer when Shiva had a bike or was a bike or however the F summons worked in Fantasy oh. 13. Yeah, yeah. That was so awkward. Um, but, but the thing that they're doing with 16 that gets me excited is not only do they have the scale of icons slash summons be, yeah. you know, this huge, massive, uh, like just giant battles with, with primeval beings that you're like, oh, no, this is like serious business. But they also have the dominance, which to my understanding, and they haven't been super forthcoming about the lore so far, but as I understand it, the dominance are basically people who turn into the icons or summon the icons somehow. And there's kind of some politics going on there too. You watch that trailer and you see the dude who is Titan kind of being like, you know, he's like, if if we're going to fight, you know, it'll rock this island to the core. And he's like, they're they're all kind of getting involved in like the evil East yeah. style politics, and that scratches the fourteen part of my brain that goes, good, good, this will this will yeah. be this will be all right. Because I do, you brought up having to prove yourself to a primal, and I was immediately thinking of uh, Ramu in in fourteen and how you have to undergo a trial yeah. with him to prove that you are worthy of of having an actual discussion with that you are not just some ant that's trying to mess up his forest like that's good stuff yeah. that's that's really good and I love you know Final Fantasy going in this direction and giving some of that power to the icons whereas like I love ten but aeons are kind of glass cannons like ken and i used to joke that yes. yuna basically had a revolver full of aeons that you would just shoot out on boss fights <laughs> that you would just kind of like bring them all out shoot off their overdrives and then they'd immediately get like two hit by the boss and you just go to the next aeon you just unload all of your overdrives so i like the idea of them being these real like titanic beings with purpose and place in the world i think that the reason square decided to make uh, the trailer about all of the summons is that the last trailer, I think a lot of people were like, is this Final Fantasy? It looks kind of like Gennaro Mm. Mm. medieval game. And I think this time they're like, no, we want to drive home that this is Final Fantasy, despite the somewhat black and gray characterization and everything. And I think they succeeded. I think that I came away feeling, yeah, it looks like a Final Fantasy. It looks like a pretty dope Final Fantasy, honestly. 
I think that out of all of you, I was probably the least hyped for Final Fantasy 16. And yeah. I would say that my excitement for Final Fantasy 16 has gone up at least 20%. Good job, mm. Square. I am much more interested <laughs> wow, in the game now. the needle. <laughs> you moved the needle with your trailer. I'm like, all right, you know, the combat looks pretty flashy. That's what trailers are for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's got a big sword. Uh, the, the, the summons look cool. Yeah. Um, but we'll see about the world building, but like the pedigree yeah. of the staff is really strong. So mm-hmm. I think the thing that maybe some people were discussing uh, on Reddit, and I would be interested to hear your thoughts on this, is Final Fantasy 16 probably not having party members, which I think some people were feeling mm-hmm. let down by because, you know, historically, Final Fantasy has been defined by the uh, the, the personalities of the, the supporting characters, the Baltiers of the world, the VVs. I mean, we're not going to have that in Final Fantasy 16, probably. I don't know. It's not really confirmed yet it's that not, we won't but, have anybody. Okay, let's assume but... that we don't have party members. I yeah. Can yeah. That. Okay. I, I think RPG storytelling can have parties and work with parties, but I don't think it needs to have parties necessarily. I guess it's just been historically Final Fantasy has been an ensemble series. Hmm. I've like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But also I almost always play 14 solo if I, unless I really have to join up with a party and I'm fine with it that. It does Final feel Fantasy very 14, 14 way, Your yeah. party, your friends are the party members. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't play with them a lot of the time. Most of the time I'm doing the, the quest The on difference my own. there is that like, I think the way 14 structures it is you, you kind of have a party that is like the scions of the seventh dawn. And now, granted, you can do a lot of trusts with a lot of them and do a lot of those early game dungeons with some of those characters. But for the most part, you were kind of doing the things that you needed to do. And then your friends were all fully capable people off doing the things that they needed to do. And so sometimes you would get into combat situations where they'd be fighting or whatever, but you didn't need to command them or anything. You were just kind of doing your thing and you would kind of work in tandem. And I'm thinking of so I just finished 5.5. Um, and so that whole final mission where you're kind of jumping around different parties and, and they're all working together and they're all kind of working in unison and stuff like I could see that working for an action RPG game where you were doing really cool things and your friends are doing really cool things and you can still talk to them. You can still hang out with them. You can still have cutscenes with them. The biggest difference being you just don't input commands for them to do things and honestly taking that mechanical load off the player means that now the player themselves can start to do more cool things and have more buttons available because they're not having to micromanage four of them at the same time that's my Mm -hmm. look at yeah 15 as much as i like 15 and the bros like it was hard to command them all at the same time yeah stranger of paradise is the same way where i forget that there are buttons for that there is a way to address all of this it's called turn-based combat (laughs) But then you don't get to do sick DMC kickflips. <laughs> I wanted, I want to do dragoon shit. <laughs> There's a little game called Valkyrie Profile that split the difference pretty well, I think. But I'm not writing it off. I'm not. Writing I know it that off. Square is never going to do it. They're never doing another big budget uh, turn-based game. It's just never happening. You know, delusions of grandeur, and I get that if you make a turn-based game, you cut, you slice off x number of millions of units in the number of games that you sell but at the same time my heart my friends and so like you go all in on action this is the 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 sacrifices that i have to make is like well it's 
kind of awkward to have um, additional team members. I thought Final Fantasy VII Remake managed to split the difference pretty well, ultimately, making it. Yeah, it did. Yeah, and there could be room for that. But I don't think it has the same. It doesn't have the same battle system as seven, from what I can tell. It has it has seven some remake. like RPG stuff in it, from what I could see, because I was looking at screenshots before this, and you could see kind of a layout on the right hand side where you had like uh, a face button array of different moves that had you know Final Fantasy names like Arrow on there, and then there there were kind of some vague things that looked reminiscent of like stranger in paradise or final fantasy seven remake or even final fantasy 15 that had some of those same ideas but i think it is a case of also like i need to get hands on with this to really get what they're going for and to see what they're going to do with it i think i yeah, mean for sure. it, the battle system looks pretty kinetic and fun and like i said the main character who i cannot care about right now they look so generic uh, they do have a big sword so that's cool I think the thing that maybe annoys me a little bit about modern day Final Fantasy is that Square is so set on it being a huge event game that's going to sell millions of upon millions of units that they've really kind of sacrificed a lot of the personality and the defining traits of the series over the years in the name of keeping it some idea, some notion of mainstream. And, you know, I get it. Uh, I, I understand that you know turn-based RPGs aren't gonna aren't gonna sell in 2022 for the most part, but um, I wish Final Fantasy 16 looked and felt a little more Final Fantasy. I but hey, we got all the summons, so whatever. But like I said, like from a positive a po- standpoint of positivity, uh, it's looking pretty pretty cool. I suppose um, I guess we'll be able to find more info. Uh, once we actually get a hand them. I think that from the standpoint of releasing a new trailer and drumming up more hype after like two years, uh, this was a roaring success for Final Fantasy mm. 16. It was mm-hmm. trending worldwide. Mm-hmm. And they still got another uh, year to lots go. Lots of discussion. I think that it owned a very strong state of play. It was like the exclamation mark on state of play. So uh, well done to Square Enix on this one. Any final thoughts on Final Fantasy 16, Eric or Nadia? Uh, I mean, I understand where you're coming from for sure, but also there's a reason why Dragon Quest is the turn-based series and Final Fantasy is the... Final Fantasy has always been the crazy experimental series practically from day one. Seven was such a huge jump, even though it still had the turn-based system. The themes were were like nothing else we'd ever seen before, and that just happens with Final Fantasy. It's the way the series is. It's not really really set in stone, so um, we'll see what happens. Final Fantasy Fantasy was always experimental, but it felt like it had certain elements that bound the individual games together, like the job system. I don't know. To me, Seven always felt like it was so alien, and I was so just put off by that until I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this game for what mm-hmm. it is, and I did. Like, I remember being angry that Final Fantasy Seven had materia from the get-go, where in Final Fantasy VI, magic was such an interwoven part of the story that you did not really get espers. Well, Final Fantasy VII conceptually still feels a lot closer to Final Fantasy IV or Final Fantasy VI than Final Fantasy XV or Final Fantasy XVI. Yeah, I, like modern day Final Fantasy feels like it has nothing in common outside of a handful of familiar elements with the OG Final Fantasy. And I think that's why it's been frustrating over the years. Final Fantasy VII Remake is the closest we've gotten. It, Final Fantasy VII Remake felt like a final fantasy 
I don't know what the heck they've been doing over the so past few years. So did Stranger of Paradise, even though I, I, people don't want to admit it. Stranger of Paradise was very Final Fantasy in the end. <laughs> yeah. I, I think something you said, Kat, that did resonate with me a lot was like how much 16 just kind of has a visual identity, but not one that feels very different from the fold. Like, And this is coming from a place of getting ready for the 10 Pantheon and all that. Final Fantasy 10 has a look. Like it has a world that is so immediately visually recognizable and it does feel like over time, especially since 10, we've seen that drop away and like 13 had some places that looked very distinct, you know, like the, the big open grasslands and, and all that, but it, you know, the rest of it was just kind of like, Oh, here's a techno hallway, I guess. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then 14, like 14 is a different animal entirely, but 15 definitely like was pretty, but it was pretty in the way that most open world games are pretty. And it could have been an Assassin's Creed world for all I care. It was essentially the same to me. <laughs> you should have an Assassin's Creed world where you drive a badass yeah, car. That'd yeah. Give, cool. give Ezio a, a car is my stance. But uh, yeah, 16, I think it is trying to go for like an Ivalice style. But does yeah. that look that different from modern games? Especially also like Forspoken, which is Square Enix's other big RPG right now, looks very visually similar to 16, like has kind of that same washed out uh, tone and style. And and like there's there's colors and there's magic happening, but it doesn't look it doesn't pop. It doesn't have like a strong visual identity. It just looks like fantasy. So I don't know. Yeah. 16 given 16 is the Heaven's Word team and Heaven's Word is basically Game of Thrones. We're doing Game of Thrones again. What I'm saying is get that 10 2 team back in here and make another j-pop rpg it's what we need my parting shot is that the ips that are the most successful have a really strong identity and really lean into the nostalgic elements of their history while also keeping things fresh and new and final fantasy i do not think has done a great job of leaning into its identity over the years i applaud it for trying to keep things fresh and new but there is a balancing act there so but I think it it does it it does all that effort for yeah, fourteen, yeah. so that's why you don't see it anywhere else. <laughs> but Final Fantasy sixteen, uh, we were going to reserve judgment on it. Uh, like I said, uh, the trailer for this one, I felt uh, pretty good about seeing it. Uh, I thought that there were a lot of really cool elements, including the kaiju fights between the individual summons. Uh, the battle systems looks pretty fun. So I feel actually more optimistic about it than I did a couple years ago, where I was actually really really down on it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That's my those are my thoughts on Final Fantasy 16, which arguably won the state of play. But from Final Fantasy to Pokemon, yes, there was a new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet trailer. In fact, when I first came back uh, from my trip, I was like, what happened? I only want a new good news. Everybody said LeChonk. And I'm like, what is a LeChonk? <laughs> well, LeChonk is a tiny little pig that uh, that's some good art direction there by uh, Game Freak. They always manage to get one Pokemon that becomes a meme and LeChonk is it for the moment. Yeah. This uh, this Pokemon that's probably going to be, you know, completely uh, just not worth anything. Oh, it's it's going to be the Rattata. Yeah, yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's vendor it's, trash. It's, it's already vendor it's, trash. It's, yeah. it's Bidoof. It's one that is not actually that effective as a Pokemon, no. it's but a normal it is type. adorable. So we love it. <laughs> Having said that, there, 
there is a history of the quote unquote rotata of a game being useful. Uh, for example, Stoutland uh, from I think Gen mm. Five turned out to be very strong, actually. So it can't ratata can't radicate learn hyper. Uh, yes, rad- I think radicate can. can use hyper fang, but it's so oh I thought it could slow. hyper beams, yeah. It's so slow and it's so weak that like it's pointless to actually use a radical RIP, mm. uh, RIP over the years. Like there have been some examples. Um, if I recall co- correctly, gen threes. Um, so Lanoon, yeah, Lanoon turned out to be actually be very good. If you knew how mm. to use it, because there was um, a certain combinations uh, like the endeavor combination, if I recall correctly, that would can make Lanoon. Does anybody know what the deal is with sheep rolling in Japanese games? Like with Elden Ring and Wulu, they both roll. Is there a joke I'm missing? It's really somewhere? funny. It is kind of funny. I will admit, <laughs> seeing sheep roll like it's hilarious. But there's got to be a reason why I only see it in looks Japanese fun. games. It's 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 a good bit. <laughs> I have to say. Lechon, Lechon, Lechon. Uh, that's a brilliant name because isn't Lechon like barbecue yeah, le, pig? Yeah, le, I have no idea how to pronounce it, but but Lechon is or or it, it, it's pig. It's basically suckling pig. Like if you order it at a restaurant, it is suckling yes. pig. The the one you would see with like an apple in its mouth and stuff, and then they just put a K at the end to make it Lechonk. So which that's is, brilliant. Yeah. Same with small yeah yeah smallive because of the olive oil industry. Like the whole you know the. The theory on this region that we do not know the name of yet, by the way, um, is that it's based on the Iberian Peninsula. And uh, there's some cool theories out there about what they're hiding right now about it, because the two professors that they revealed, the two smoking hotties that you will have to choose between in your uh, in your versions are named uh, Sada and Toro. And that is very similar to Posada, which is past and Futuro, which is future and so there's a lot of theories that and cave is a cave woman. yeah yeah sada sada is a cave woman with fangs taro is a crypto bro and <laughs> the corresponding legendaries are also past and future and one is like kind of got feathers and looks like a monster hunter monster and the other one has jets for legs so there there are some very valid theories out there that uh, this is going to be a game that takes place in potentially different timelines or different eras. Oh, good luck, Game Freak. Uh, which would be really, really cool. If they're going to set it in the Iberian Peninsula, I want them to make it like soccer again. <laughs> Give me more yeah, Pokemon soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're doing with the gym battles, if anything. I noticed there was an arena, but it looked more like an arena like for beginner fighters, like a tutorial. Mm. So I, I didn't see anything indicating kind of move like away from that. I don't gym know. leaders. They did it so well in in Sword and Shield, though. Like I love those battles so much. But they did make them feel big. Literally, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the big changes they also confirmed was that this is going to be like open world, explore at your leisure, not dictated by the story. So like maybe gym battles are a thing of the past or they're a thing, but they're not the thing that dictates your progression through the world. They're uh, just challenges sure. uh, to be able to, I, I don't know what they would unlock necessarily because traditionally the gym battles have been kind of gatekeeping, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, yeah. they could just be interesting challenges for you to it, be able to do. I think, I don't think exciting, it's going to be fully nonlinear. There's going to be some kind of story progression going on here. 
Hey, they said free to explore at your leisure in an order not dictated by the story. So you you run around wherever I mean, you want to go. My first thought was something to the effect of Legend of Zelda, uh, A Link Between Worlds, a game in which mm, where you, you basically to had the run of the map yep. right from great. the start and you had all of the mm-hmm. tools that you yep. need to do and you could tackle the dungeons in any order. God, that game needs to go on the Switch. No, I'm not. It's not on the Switch. And Thanks, then Kat. you could theoretically scale so the good. levels. You could scale the gems. Uh, just have them automatically scale with your characters. I would wonder then if some of the battles would start to be like the post-game battles in Arceus, like the ones with Volo and all that, where they have a full party of six and they're swapping out based on type and they're posing like an actual trainer challenge to you and not just like, here is one very long tutorial. Like the Arceus post-game stuff is some of the coolest like single player stuff I played in Pokemon. And if they took that idea and just ran with it for their gym challenges, that would rule. That'd, That'd be, be so cool. I like the idea of you can take on certain gyms early and probably have an easier time. But if you leave them for late, they'll get really, really, really hard <laughs> yeah. because they have like way more Pokemon. I, I like the, I like the notion of a dynamic gym. I mean, and they've kind of done that in previous Pokemon games, for example, Pokemon Fire Red Leaf Green, there were the you could re-challenge the gyms uh in the post game, and they would have way leveled up Pokemon and a whole new team, right? So I imagine something similar to that, where it's like, oh, I'll, I'm gonna take on the dragon gym now <laughs> before they have like level yeah. 70 of <laughs> the first one Pokemon in there. <laughs> I'll go back to like we rock need to gym. make a 4X Pokemon game. We need to make where everyone's a different gym and they're vying for control of land. And so you take out one gym, but turns out there was another gym. The rock gym was just biding its time and they've leveled <laughs> their Pokemon up while you were busy taking on the leaf gang. <laughs> I told you oh. my big pitch is uh, Stardew Valley, but it's Pokemon in which you're running your own gym and you're slowly but surely mm-hmm. building it up and everything and you're a gym leader and you're challenging people who are coming by and you're catching mm-hmm. new Pokemon in the woods nearby and training you're building your up trainers. the town and you're saving it from the evil team, your autonomous mm-hmm. collective. Uh, the the other thing that's really interesting about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and really got my attention, honestly, is so that it's going to have full-on co-op uh, for mm-hmm. players. We don't know exactly what the nature of it is, though, but I absolutely love the idea of being able to play alongside a dear friend. god nintendo please shore up your <laughs> online please please don't screw this up please i don't ask for much nintendo sitting in the pitch meeting for that one game freaks like yeah we want to do four player co-op and they're all going, going like four you sure you don't want to like scale that back yeah an open world go anywhere you want we want this thing in the trailer where they all go off in different directions and do different things different things i don't like come on you know i don't think that's gonna hit i mean we did that in dragon quest nine that was was we did 13 years ago it's not Mm -hmm. out of the question that you could do it in year 2022 on the nintendo switch (laughs) you would think you would hope no, it's not. But will Nintendo do it? That's the question. Yeah. It's not out of the question at all. But will they? The question that I have is, will I be able to play both couch co-op and online? So mm. that's what I want to know, too. I would hope so. I really, uh, no really way. hope so. No way. Eric's shaking his head. <laughs> Nintendo well, would explode. Halo doesn't do that. Halo doesn't do that. Halo, they were like, look, we, we want to try to do that, but we can't do that right now. And and Halo's all about the online. I don't think Pokemon's I'm also wondering like, how the regression will work, for example. 
if I'm really high level and I want to bring along a friend who's very low level, will I be able to just go in their game and steamroll everything for them? <laughs> Finally, soul summoning sure. in a Pokemon game is all I've wanted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Summon god my that'd be amazing to beat the gym leader up and i'm wondering um how like there's a lot of interesting questions that go into full co-op right um and i'm mm-hmm. wondering how similar it's going to be to say like a game like pokemon go and that kind of thing um obviously it's going to be i mean it's different nature we still don't, also don't know much about the capture mechanics i don't think um, mm-hmm. how similar it's going to be to Pokemon Legends Arceus. I, it's looking more and more like it's going to be traditional capturing uh, for this one. Yeah. It seems like that. There's nothing unusual by the looks of it, which has me of two minds because, by God, I love the uh, the quick capturing you had going on Arceus. That was just like, oh, Pokeball, whoop, you're mine now. And there was actually use for the Pokemon that you caught and didn't use. They weren't rotting in your box, and I'm hoping that they go back to that by some mm-hmm. degree. Yeah, I, I really liked Arceus, and I am of two minds about this because Arceus's catch mechanics were really, really fun, but I I do think that I'd kind of want the two to live separately, if only so they can refine the style of Legends and not have it held back by mainline Pokemon and vice versa. Like, if they want to do two styles of game, do two styles of game, I don't want to see it merge and lose what makes each one a little bit more interesting and a little mm, bit more special. Cause like there are other like tiny things that Arceus does that I think don't fit in with a mainline Pokemon game, like the much like the decreased move list and the feeling of like quickly swapping out moves and stuff like that. Battles just on the whole felt a lot snappier. Um, and I don't think they're going to do that with a Pokemon, traditional Pokemon. Who knows, though? Maybe they will get rid of no, Growl and there. Roar in this next Pokemon. Who can say? Yes, please. Hey, Roar is actually a very useful move in competitive play. Yeah, in, in a mainline Pokemon, but not in, in Arceus. And that's what I'm saying is like if we, yeah. we talked about this at the time when Arceus came out was like, what made it cool was that I got to focus on single player and really do single player and it didn't have to worry about competitive Pokemon stuff. And, and all y'all competitive Pokemon players, y'all are great. I love y'all, but it was cool that it got to just focus on that. And so if this one is also going to do mm-hmm, PVP, mm-hmm. then it's going to have to deal with some of that stuff. And I wouldn't want legends to just like disappear. To have because good of that. single player and multiplayer final fantasy 14 did it. Hello. <laughs> We can't all be Yoshi P, all right? <laughs> we can give Pokemon to Yoshi P. That'd be a great move. But No, let's give it to Yoko Taro. Yes. Come yeah. on. Yoko Taro, Yoko Taro Pokemon. Please. They're all sad. Look, you took a perfectly good Lechonk and you gave it depression. That's what you did. <laughs> it does seem like they're going all out on this one. I, I, have, a, I have great feelings about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Um, Toby Fox is composing the yeah. overworld That's theme. That's really awesome. cool. That's multiple amazing. songs on scarlet and I'm, violet I'm so glad for very him. exciting uh, it sounds like it's just going to be way different from your typical pokemon game and mm-hmm. i cannot be more excited because i've said many times on this show that i have long kind of regarded the single player story in a pokemon as sort of a glorified tutorial and it's been a long time since i've felt anything about them i, I liked pokemon sword and shield well enough i guess but mostly because i like the soccer stuff but i think yeah i think that i am pretty excited to see what they're going to do with this open world conceit and also co-op it sounds like 
very different from business as usual. So good stuff. Um, it's going to be releasing on November 18th, 2022, Year of Pokemon. So. Yeah, uh, given how everything else was delayed this year, I hope you all like Pokemon because that's pretty much what you're getting. Uh, and before we move on to the final couple segments, uh, we also have a lot more events happening this week that RPG fans should be paying attention to, including the Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, which is mm-hmm. happening on Thursday. We're going to be getting lots of new trailers and possibly new announcements happening there. And then also this weekend on Sunday, there will be a big Xbox showcase where uh, we'll probably be seeing Starfield, among other things. I'm curious, what are y'all looking forward to? And maybe you can throw in one prediction for me really quickly before we move on. I'll start with you, Nadia, since Eric is kind of looking, trying to think of stuff right now. (laughs) I have no idea either. I'm thinking Xbox, yeah, Xbox, I, sure, Starfield. Yeah. I'm sure we'd like to see yeah. it. That's the best I can come up yeah. with. All of my predictions are Nintendo related. <laughs> I don't yeah, think no, we're going to yeah. see the Nintendo Direct for a bit. Um, I, really? No, I don't think. I'm not really. There's nothing about the Summer Gong Show that I really think about that I want to see. Unless Nintendo comes out with something that says, hey, everyone, it's time for Nintendo Direct, which they are not going to do. So I don't know. There's going to be, I'm sure there'll be some nice indies or something. There, there'll be good indies. Be I think cool. for things, for, for things for the summer game show, like Elden Ring DLC feels like a long shot, but that'd be that cool. Would be, if even yeah, just confirmation that that's that. happening would be exciting. Yes. Um, same for like a seven remake part two. If we just got square coming out and saying like, here's some CG and seven remake part two, just like confirming that it's in development. That'd be, exciting even if it's something that yeah, i feel like we already seven remake know. part two trailer or like even just um, a teaser just, yeah yeah, yeah like a 30 second tease of like here's them running around in the open world or something like there you go do you um, think seven remake part two would hit harder than 16 yes 100 percent. i think so i i love sure. what 16 is doing so far but it's it's seven remake like <laughs> there are a few games yeah that have the titanic weight that that game does so uh as far as xbox goes i want to see what obsidian's up to let me let me see what they're doing uh maybe i'd like to see about i don't think we're gonna see about but i would like to see it <laughs> now, the thing that's kind of a bummer is xbox has so many rpg studios now mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. in exile and it has obsidian as bethesda yeah and it has fable under development mm-hmm. with playground games. <laughs> yeah. Be surprised oh, right. if you see yeah. that, honestly. But, <laughs> but it feels like it's we're still not bearing fruit. We're still waiting for Xbox to show us yeah, something. We're still waiting for the harvest. It's just me standing there with like Obsidian in one hand and the Fallout franchise that is now within its grasp in the other, and I'm going like just put them together. Just do it. <laughs> just make it happen. <laughs> make a baby. Um, yeah, no, I, I want to know what Obsidian's up to. They're also like non RPG. There's some cool studios at, at Xbox, like compulsion and stuff that I'd be interested in seeing what they're doing. Uh, and there were some rumors, I think about an RPG from the banner saga team or something that sounded kind of interesting. Oh yeah. Um, I, I think there's room for some cool stuff to pop up that we're not expecting. And honestly, as much as we talk about sequels and, and follow-ups and already announced stuff, like, I like the surprises. I like the out of nowhere stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
that's always a little bit more exciting because it's the thing. It's like The Witcher, you know, it's the law of surprise. It's the thing you didn't expect when you showed up to Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good time. At the and Geralt Game walks Fest. away with it. <laughs> well, there's a lot. Well, we will be covering whatever happens. We'll be covering it here on Acts of the Blood God. And I think we might actually rec- wait to record uh, until next Sunday because uh, then we can mm. include the Xbox announcements. Uh, Mm -hmm. Though it may end up having to be quite late because I need to fly back from L.A. and then go on the podcast um, after the actual event. So we'll we'll see how this all ends up shaking out. But uh, in the meantime, let's go on to a mailbag question. This one is from Richard, who discovered Acts of the Blood God through Good Vibes Gaming. Thank you Ooh. so much, Richard. And Richard Hello. is from Germany, so we've probably permanently insulted him. Oh, sorry. I, I really didn't I'm mean sorry. to offend you with that. I a comment about the drum set. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Richard says, dang it. I think German sounds very intimidating. You've got to warn me thing. about these things, Kat, <laughs> going into the podcast. Hey, <laughs> don't, don't make jokes about Germany. <laughs> Richard uh, discovered Final Fantasy VII for the first time just recently. And uh, as we all know, Final Fantasy VII was in our top 25 RPG remake, which we uh, recorded last month. You can go check out right now in the free feed. This is what Richard said. I played the original on my Switch for the first time about one year ago with the only other Final Fantasy game that I experienced being 10. I'm often having problems with playing through older games, as many of them are too difficult. I was surprised by how easily I made it through Final Fantasy VII and how much I enjoyed my time. The worlding and especially the characters were very interesting and memorable. The soundtrack fits the game very well. I think the story was executed greatly and I enjoyed finding out about subplots or small details. Because of these aspects and good flow of gameplay, I quickly forgot the graphics and was motivated to keep playing on until the end. But I do have to add, I used the speed up feature of the port a few times, just like in 10. It's great to have. I mean, I use it all the time too. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Same. Of course, this isn't a review, but I wanted to share how I played the game with very few prior knowledge and how I appreciate what it did and my experience with it. The only thing is that now I have to play the other games in the series and see if they can match the quality of that experience for me. In conclusion, in my opinion, the game totally holds up even without prior knowledge and deserves its place on the top 25. So there we go. We have somebody who has a mm-hmm. unique perspective on Final Fantasy VII, the OG version. Yeah, it's it's seven. It's it's a classic. I mean, I know that it was probably a bit contentious just because if you're looking at much like the way I look at Skyrim on that top 25 list, if you were if there was a game that missed it and you saw that on there, you're like, oh, but it's Final Fantasy seven. Everybody loves that game. Yeah, but everybody loves that game. It's a good game. It's it's a quality game and it made an impact for a reason. And and Richard does a great job of laying out how it it lands even now. It is speaking as someone who played remake and was like, oh, these characters, this world, it's so good. Like, it's, it, it does still land to this day. Thanks so much to Richard uh, for the note. And if you want to send an email to us that will be read on the show, cat at bloggotpod.com, or send me a DM on Twitter at the underscore catbot. And now it's time for Nadia's Nostalgia Nook. Nadia, take us home. Uh, 
did either of you have to suffer religious schooling in any regard, but particularly after normal school? Define, you talk about like Sunday school or? Sunday school, except three times oh, a week. No, different, but probably not as intense as you're talking about. Okay, yeah, so the thing about that is I, I, th- I guess a lot of Jews, they go to Hebrew school to kind of shut up the grandparents mm. who are like, you know, you're not getting enough Jewish education here, Hebrew education or whatever. So I kind of had to go uh, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday during the day to Hebrew school. And the thing is, if you're going directly after school, you have a lot of angry, hungry kids who are just itching to make some, to just start shit. And when I beat, uh, when I beat, um, Melina, Blade of McKella, and she wouldn't shut up about the name McKella, I'm like, I know that name for some reason. And then I realized I knew someone in Hebrew school named Michaela. And you have to get the in there. It's not the same as Michaela. But I'm like, okay, now I remember that name. And now I remember that person because when I was in grade two Hebrew school, I guess she had a breakdown because, again, we're all hungry and angry. And she crawled on her desk. And anytime the teacher tried to talk, she'd bang on the teacher's desk because her desk was like right in front of the teacher's, like this really flimsy wooden desk. And so anytime the teacher tried to teach, she'd be like, just like bang on desk the rest of us couldn't hear and the kid behind me his name was the way you pronounce it in hebrew is david but his name was david and so he makes a smart crack about her being under the desk and making all this this noise and Mikaela is like you go back to your doghouse david and i'm like wow that's a great insult for someone in grade two that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) so it's just funny that playing Elden Ring brought back this memory, and I'm so impressed by that. And God, those were some really and, weird and then times. And a redhead like, with a katana showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to say that. And that was the best day of Hebrew school ever, because she taught us all how to fight. Well. So that was a short one, um, more of a pit. And if, I mean, I'll, I'll warn you off the top of my head, anytime I talk about Hebrew school, it's going to be a pit. I, I once threw up in the hallway. <laughs> that was a real pit. I threw up in the hallway. And not only did I throw up in the hallway, they're like, okay, call your parents. You obviously have the flu or something. They had rotary pay phones. And I start to cry because I don't know how to use a rotary phone. <laughs> so God bless the girl who, who took me to the phone. She's like, I can do it. I can do it. I can help you. So I called my parents on this rotary ass phone from like 1979. <laughs> Yeah, that was a Nadia, throwing up in the hallway and peep angry children Nadia who were crying hungry. and that cursing analog technology. <laughs> I I wasn't cursing; I was just crying. I was very scared. I was like a little kid who threw up in the hallway in front of everyone. If you're the if you're the, the if you're a kid who throws up in, in front of the class, you're the pariah. Thankfully, everyone understood. I don't think anyone held it against me. I mean, again, we none of us wanted no, to be no there. No one wanted to be there. <laughs> so yeah, that was a. Uh, that was today's nostalgia oh. pit, uh, throwing up and banging on desks. Did you miss a cat? It, it was, did you miss it out on the seat? That was a vintage pit right there. That was pretty good. Good stuff, Nadia. Classic stuff. pit. All because of Blade of McKella. Can you imagine her coming out? I, I am Elena, Blade of McKella. I've bang, bang, bang. What are you defeat. doing? I'm trying to distract you. I have never known defeat. Oh. Go back in your doghouse. Tarnished. Uh. And then there she is, throwing up in the hallway. <laughs> Pretty sure Morgoth said Melina that to me at one point. Go back to your talk house, foul tarnished. <laughs> Behold the scarlet rot. The flower blooms once more. 
<laughs> oh, do, do you have a flu? Do you want to some do poor this kid later? named Radon is just later? never the same again? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nadia, for a vintage pit, and that is it for this week's episode of Axe of Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, if you enjoy this show, and why wouldn't you with quality content like that, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Twitter uh, at the underscore Capot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMoosey, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod, where we have tons of quality content and we also have our stars of destiny who get to join us each week uh for uh live recordings where they get to see all of the flubs of which there were at least a couple this week uh thank you so much to teeps amy who wear the slimes ej cal l sardin spirus zoo batman for joining us and for your support you are all amazing and you make these episodes so much fun we're going to continue on to the post-show now where we're going to be talking about God knows what, but it's going to be a fun one as always. But we'll be back next week to talk about all of the events that are happening. Uh, have fun. Look forward to a lot of interesting announcements coming up. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, myself, thanks so much for listening. And happy adventuring. Arr.